0: Hey, everybody, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Sacred Resistance podcast. This is episode number 59. Uh, we had a little bit of a break. Um, it's been a while since we've had a podcast, hasn't it? We're
1: being really intentional about who we're having on our podcast this year. Um, a, because our lives are so busy yeah. and uh, we part of it is because we unschool our kids. Yes, that's <laughs> which right. This episode is all about just
0: like we had on today, we had author Jane Evans on today. She has she wrote the book uh, Natural Learning: The Unschooling Life.
1: A beautiful New Zealand uh, mama who's she's raised three very successful children who are now adults onto their adult life but in she raised her kids in a natural learning environment an unschooling environment and now she goes goes around speaking about unschooling helping educate other mamas and daddies about um, what it really means to be a natural learner or unschooling parent and uh jane is just an amazing lady and is able to share the story now as her, since her kids are out of the house. And yeah, yeah um, she's got
0: three shining examples of, uh, that can quickly kind of put to rest any, any haters of the whole unschooling movement because they're like clearly well, you know, rounded members of society. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'd say probably even uh, not. Yeah. There are a lot,
0: <laughs> yeah, there are a lot more, how do you say free, um, entrepreneurial, uh they can do whatever they want, uh freely. Um
1: they had the they've got the belief in themselves. So they were able to to couple of them went through university and one might even get her master's degree and then she's got a totally self motivated uh entrepreneur entrepreneurial child who's only how old is was her youngest? Seventeen. No, he was seventeen when he started I think he's about nineteen now, but Uh, very successful young lad and it's just inspirational what Mm -hmm. she's what Mm -hmm. she's created and what her kids are up to and how we don't necessarily need or we don't need the system at all of the government funded schools to be quote unquote successful and I think the more people that learn about this way of life and it really is a way of life it's a lifestyle it's Mm. not a sit down 8 till 3 o'clock my parenting is done. It's, it's a full 18 years of, um, parenting Mm -hmm. and, but not saying that, let's say your kids are 12 and 12 and eight and you, you're thinking of doing this now. It's not too late. You can always de-school and then unschool and become a natural learning parent. And it's, it, by doing this, you're also have to be, Accountable to yourself as a parent Mm -hmm. and heal heal your own traumas, heal your own wounds, so that you're able to parent in a new light. I guess you could say. Yeah,
0: it's like a self improvement journey along the way, also.
1: Yeah, because kids really are our they they are mirrors, and they're gonna trigger us, and they're gonna bring things up for us, and then it's like, okay, why is this Why is this happening?
0: Yeah, and we're gonna influence them because they are little mirrors of us, so we need to be good influences.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention
0: that we recently have been guests on two podcasts we were just on the Unjected podcast and we were on pixelated perspectives before that
1: yes yeah exactly if you're on uh, if you follow us on social media you would have seen that too because i posted them there but um yeah okay. right on right yeah. on squad. jane yeah thank you so much for coming on with us we really enjoy talking to you and like i said i'm completely inspired by your journey and what you've done with your kids so thank you for for writing your book and the note all of the information to get a hold of jane will be in the show notes so that you can find her instagram and her order her book but uh, please order the book it's so good i'm really enjoying reading it myself
0: yeah thanks jane you're an inspiration and uh you're, you're uh Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. If you're listening to this, you are
1: the resistance. The sacred resistance. Hey, everybody. One quick thing before you start listening to this episode. I just wanted to remind you that our store is up and running, and we have some great new shirts, um, some... I Don't Co-Parent with the Government, Freedom Over Fear, um, some good little kid shirts that say uh, Wild and Free, and we have a few more that are coming down the pipeline, so please make sure to check out the website, it will be in our show notes.
0: Yeah, uh, put on some swag and represent, we got some good stuff, and uh, you can tell the world what you think
1: totally and not to mention our sacred resistance logo which the logo in our opinion is it's pretty badass. awesome yeah, we so, love it
0: yeah totally so look cool and speak your mind at the same time
1: nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so thanks for being here guys we love you and enjoy the episode we love y'all oh so uh-huh. i'm so excited so this oh. is Jane Evans she is a amazing um mama that has paved the way for the natural learning community excellent schooling so
0: we're all about that action over here
2: yeah it's it's more people all about it everywhere in the world by the sounds of it (laughs) i think it's a
0: growing definitely it's growing
1: yeah it's interesting which is amazing and i love that i have your book and i've been reading it and i'm just i'm loving it and i love that you were uh school teacher beforehand and you saw that you're like this isn't how I want to raise my kids and I would just love to hear your story and um I know you have it in your book but for people to hear your story would be just absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, sure. It is interesting in the homeschool community how many teachers there are. You know, primary teachers, secondary teachers and university, I've got friends who are university lecturers. How many people? And I've even been I felt supported by Quite a lot of teachers and even school principals who have gone, oh, yeah, my, my grandchildren are, are unschooled or my, you know, my, my kids aren't going to school. So it's quite interesting. But yes, yeah. I was a teacher. I was a primary teacher before I had kids, which I think is quite different. You come into that with quite a different experience as a young in your 20s, haven't had kids, even though I was a kind person then. Um, and I really felt and I really saw strongly that the kids you know, are, are people, are individual people. And it was impossible to try and meet the needs of 30 individuals when you've got this pressure to teach nine subjects yeah and testing them all the same way on the same thing and this it just nothing about it set set right with me and so i always chased the spark in a child's eyes where they were on fire with something kind of live and engaged and passionate and, and interested and you can see that, you know, I knew these kids really well. I spent my days with them. And when that happened, something to me was like, that is it. That is what we're looking for. That is learning. That is deep learning. And that is living. Like, that is what we all, that's your creative flow. That's your genius. That's your, there's lots of words for it. You know, that's what you want. That's how you want to be spending your life, in that sweet spot. Yeah. Not with me standing over you as an adult saying, you do this work because I have said you've got to do it and I'm going to test you on it. You cannot go out to a lunch break until you have finished it. Like really? that's, that's quite a different energy between yeah. the two of you. And the, the light is dead in their eyes. It's gone. It's not even there. There's yeah. no hint of, there's no nothing in them telling them that they are worthy, that they have any autonomy or choice around their lives and their learning. Yeah, well, so cool. I learned that.
1: And how many kids did you have of your own? Um, I had a lovely
2: big family because when I met the father of my children, he had two children that he had raised himself, which is quite unusual then, and they were around ten years old. So they are now in their thirties, and they've each given us three delicious grandchildren. Oh. Just off to sunset, so that's exciting. So I've ended, and then I had three more babies. So we got together, and while the the big, the big kids, as I call them, the big kids were teenagers, I had three more babies. So we then ended up with these five kids. And my three babies that I had, that I gave birth to, they're the ones that were unschooled. And um, the, my youngest one, Charlie, he's now 19. So when he was about 16, I started really, really feeling my way into the next phase of my life.
1: Wow. It's not as a
2: full-time mama, which is another whole story, believe me, another whole book, another yeah. whole mini Um, But um, giving me that space to really um be reflective with my kids and hear back from them about how it was and as a writer I just wanted to share some stories and and I think um the fact that I had we had started a big national unschooling retreat like a camp for unschoolers in New Zealand uh, me and a couple of friends and that has spawned this whole raft of unschooling camps and retreats now in New Zealand which is super cool um, but because through that we met so many people for maybe a decade of it's was, yeah it was 13 years ago we started it had a decade of parents coming to me and just going yeah but how are their six year old going to get into university like how will they get on the real world and often one of the parents would be full of this fear and full of these questions and i would just be like talk to my teenagers talk to my teenagers like here's some teenagers they're really sociable and they Really nice people, and look, they're playing with the kids, or they're setting up this cool activity for themselves, or they're cooking the pudding for us, all, or what you know, whatever they're doing. And um, that was really comforting to these parents with their five, six, seven year olds. We're yeah. just starting out, and we have all these wobbles, and these fears, and these insecurities. And I think having um, somebody who's a few years ahead of you, generally in parenting anyway, is really comforting. I found that um, I had a sister in law who um, was an attachment parenter is that a word attachment parent practice attachment parenting and um that was a real inspiration to me to just like the cousins were just a few years ahead and i was like oh yeah okay she's still breastfeeding all right now she's sleeping with the kids still okay that's good like and that was inspiration for me so um
1: yeah, because I think, think for a lot of people, just that isolating feeling, they feel like they're alone, like something inside of them feels like the unschooling or the attachment parenting feels like the right thing to do. But when society is telling you to let your baby cry it out or, or, wean them off of nursing at at x age like a lot of mamas who are really in tune with themselves realize that no something doesn't sit well with me like my baby needs to sleep with me longer like we still have a seven-year-old that crawls into bed with us every night and we're like is this ever going to end but he
0: doesn't start in there with us, but when i wake up he's there yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah and so that's normal that's in the circles i've grown raise my kids in that's normal. My boys slept with me till I was, they were 11, till they were hitting puberty.
1: Yeah. And, and then the, I got to that in your book. And then one day he was just like, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I'm going to go sleep in my own bed now. And your kids did that.
2: Yeah. They like, they will not sleep with you forever. I can tell any parent listening. <laughs> they will not. I used to have these friends whose friends used to joke to them and say, you're going to wake up one day. And your teenage son and his girlfriend will be sleeping in your bed with you. (laughs) (laughs) That is not going to happen. I can tell you. Once they hit puberty, when they're coming into puberty, everything changes. But giving them that lovely security, knowing you're there 24 7, it's just, it seems like the most natural way to parent. And it's so easy. It's so easy. Honestly, the amount, the number of times I have gotten physically up out of my bed in the night. I could count on the fingers of one hand because I don't like being disturbed at night. I love my sleep.
1: Yeah, I I love
2: my sleep. It's so easy. Everyone sleeps well and you can transfer it anywhere. So going away is just so, it was always so easy. You could sleep under the stars. You could sleep in a tent. You could sleep in someone's cabin or whatever. Just, made no difference to the kids. They're just easy. None of the dramas and, oh, they only sleep if it's dark and they've got to listen to this music and, you know, they've got to do this and do that. It's like, yeah just yeah. jump into bed with them and yeah and one's happy. Go to
1: sleep. so what are your kids up to now I haven't gotten to that point in the book yet oh
2: well I don't want no spoilers no spoilers yeah well um they're they're all happy which is what you want right as a parent that's my only they're happy and they're healthy and they're kind those are my three like that's what I want for my kids when I check in with them they're okay I'm happy but because they're doing things which you can um society thinks that. shows they're successful in inverted commas they're successful even though they were unschooled they're getting a's at university so that's kind of i don't mind using that as part of the story to really help those parents with that fear of what they're doing so yes hannah is um she's done four years at university and she will go on and do some post-grad studies but this year she's working and she is um has a degree and she's a fluent speaker of te reo maori which in new zealand is um the indigenous language the maori language And she's a real language girl. She spent here in Switzerland and she speaks German as well. So she's a languagey kind of girl. And she works for the Māori Studies Department at the University in Wellington, which is our capital city here. And she does she does all the things you can do. She does admin. She does research. She tutors first year university students. And she also teaches at a corporate level, which is a very well paid position. Amazing. And so she's immersed in that world this year. And she's also just with a separate... She's not really studying; she's having a year off working, but she is still studying the language at the highest level you can, with another, um, another place of learning, like an indigenous place of learning. So she's really into that, and I think she'll do a sociology, a masters in sociology. I think that's what she's doing. She really loves it. She's really enjoying earning some money. She really loves. She's got a. She's got a top. She won a really prestigious award last year. Um, like one person a year gets it in the Māori studies department across the whole university, and um. Yeah, that was pretty amazing for her, mind blowing, but she's she's a good student. She loves the academic life. And she's happy, so that's good. Um Ollie is I don't know if you read about him in my book yet, he's the one that his whole curriculum that he said himself, if you want to call it that, has been amazing. He um, has been heading towards the army since he was four, which is sounds funny but so true. And he's in his last year of a nursing degree. He's doing nursing and he loves it so much. He's also a medic. In the part-time army here which is called the um, army reserves and he loves that so much And i just stayed with him last week when i was traveling through and he got all this first aid stuff out on the floor and was mum i have to show you like as a medic my, my army first aid gear and i'm um, making me and his his girlfriend like put on bandages and stuff and it was exactly the same energy as when he was seven and eight at mm-hmm. home making make survival kits and little dental floss containers and peppermint containers and, he was so into his medic stuff and he has this whole kind of medic persona. So he, if there's an emergency or accident, he is the person you want. He's like a born medic. He loves it so much. He's out. He's just done three weeks in mental health at the hospital and now he's done another three weeks like a um, practicum as part of his degree. And he loves it so much. He's a very personable kind of guy. So yeah, he's just happy, happy, happy. Just, and just like a pig in he gets paid at weekends to go and run around in the hills. With his first day kit teaching soldiers how to
0: do, so
2: just, that's what he did. He said, "Oh, it's not, it's not challenging. It's like it's what I did my whole childhood. It's so easy." And he just knows it inside out, and he loves it. And he's,
1: really- yeah, so he's happy. So that's um, just, and- just natural learning. Like if people yeah. can just get that concept, yeah, yeah, natural learning. It's something that they're just drawn to from a young age and I think that's beautiful
0: yeah rather than yeah. thinking that like unschooling they're not learning anything it's the exact opposite yeah. it's like as cheesy as it sounds it puts the joy back in learning yeah and pursue what they actually care about rather than oh yeah like someone who's got lots of kids or even more than one kid at all even two kids you raise your kids the same way and they're totally different people yeah they're unique people and, and like how can you Cookie cutter expect to teach them the same way with everything and expect them to all get it or like the same things. It's ridiculous. We're not raising factory robots here. No. Absolutely.
2: I I always have treated my kids as individuals and I still do. And I treat people as individuals. I adjust my expectations. I adjust the language I use. I never expected them to be the same in any way. And I think that's that thing when you've had when you have a second child. I was blown away. I thought it would just be like a sort of carbon copy of the first one. Yeah. And I think they showed, you know, having babies was amazing because they showed me from birth that they, it's such a strong sense of who they are. And when you yeah. really support them to be themselves, which is all I did. yeah, it's, it's, it's astounding. You know, my experience is very much that kids are always learning. Always. You cannot turn it off. So my question is going to be, what are they learning? And if they're being controlled or restricted or put down or, trying to be pushed into a square box when they're a round peg a square around a square hole you know what I mean um what are they learning they're, what they're learning then is all about their own self-worth right?
0: And, right. Value.
2: and so you're not learning the little activity you have got for them to try and get them into that square box which is what happens at school they're learning about themselves as learners and so my job was to really support them to empower themselves as learners and that's just all they did they just were constantly just in their zone being creative and being amazing and just doing their thing and i just really thought my job was to run around and feed them and read to them and resource them
0: i think that's such a huge point like it's such a basic on such a basic level they're always learning you can't turn it off what are they learning
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And I I know so many moms who I meet and they're like, oh, you homeschool. And I was like, well, I homeschool slash unschool, natural learning. Like I have my little spiel, I say. And they're like, I can never do that. And I was like, oh, how come? And they're like, I just, I'm not equipped. I'm not a teacher. And I was like, neither am I. I I have, I'm dyslexic. I am not, um, book stuff doesn't come natural to me. I struggle with reading um but that doesn't mean you're not equipped to to empower your kids to learn mm-hmm. and i'm still like i i'm not as Uh, Maybe I feel like I'm finally getting to the point where I've just embraced unschooling and trusting the process. It took me many years to get here. Our older Mm -hmm. son is nine, almost 10. And I'm, I'm finally being like, okay, he doesn't need to be at a certain level by a certain time. And the two kids they're are two and a half years apart, but like it's, it's, it's it's pretty neat to see their different strengths and what they love to do and our older kid loves to he might not be super strong at like uh academics right now but he loves to build and he loves to he's constantly building and he's got every tool he he's got a dad that builds and so they're they they love to get into saws and hammers and yeah, nails, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. it's fantastic. It's so fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Well, like each kid, like you were just talking about, each kid develops in different areas at different speeds. Like, but eventually they'll level out. Like, when they're both 20, they're both going to be good at reading at yeah. probably the same level. Like, just because one picked it up faster when they were seven, you know, but the other one picked up math faster. It's like they yeah. develop in different areas at different speeds.
1: Yeah and not to not i always tell parents I'm like don't worry don't put so much pressure on yourself because, and kid, right? yeah and the kid yeah. just let them be where they are mm. i know my
2: my kind of catch cry or my sort of founding philosophy is that children are people too and yeah. like you're just interested you said you're dyslexic i just wrote a book like i'm not i'm not judging you i'm not even blinking when you say that i'm not i'm not we're not at the same level maybe i don't know like does it matter we're not you know why do we have to level out why do we have exactly. this idea that by 18 by yeah. 18 your ch- kids are supposed to know all this stuff and they're supposed to be experts in everything like that's so ridiculous Whereas adults we're like well i can't build i'm not a builder yeah, like cause... are you you know is that a problem no do you yeah. play the violin as well as i do oh but you know so why do we expect our kids to have all these skills it's ridiculous we're expecting to be experts in everything with these huge ex- huge expectations expectations which are unrealistic and Mm -hmm. damaging i think Whereas if we really just let them be themselves there's lots of gaps in our education sure but i think um at any stage you want to do something especially these days if you wake up like if i wake up tomorrow and want to be an accountant i just know i never will but if i did i would be so excited and passionate and driven for whatever motivation whatever the motivation was i would go and do it i would go back to school i would read them maths papers or whatever i had to do which is so not my jam but I would because I'm driven, and that's exactly the same as kids, except yeah. they're more driven and they're younger and they have more energy and
1: they're yeah, really motivated
2: yeah. and they're such creative, lovely learners. So the biggest, the biggest thing I want to say to parents all the time too is please don't worry, just don't yeah, worry. Know, right? but, um, just treat them as people. Like wh- why do you why are you not judging me and telling me I should learn how to build my own tiny house? Yeah. Like is that a problem? Why are you saying that your kids should? You know why? why hasn't everyone written a book then if we're all supposed to be writers you know
0: right
2: exactly why is everyone not playing in a band or able to i don't know t- you know balance their own books or whatever those skills are like it's not how it works like i think people have a passion and they can follow that and but i also think a passion can be fleeting like i'm a bit of a jack of all trades so i think it, you can get hung up a bit on the passion and you can see that in um in my kids like two of my kids at least definitely have this passion that they have really followed and are really focused on it. And I really admire that, but it doesn't mean that their um, you know, passions can look different. And yeah. I think a lot of the work that I'm seeing and talking to parents about is about the deschooling, which is a whole big topic. Yes. And it's a huge, huge thing. And Most, I would say 99% of any issues and conflicts and doubts and worries in families around natural learning and unschooling comes from the parents' own narratives and stories about learning and what that looks like in school and what that looks like and what their kids should be doing and i think once the the parent can work on their own stuff and start getting rid of all those stories and those ideas about what education is and what their kids should be doing and getting rid of those expectations that's going to actually change all the dynamics in the family and the child will feel that they'll feel that pressure being taken off most of the problems i think come from you know those parents that say to us all the time, Oh, I could never do that, I couldn't do that. And and the ones that say, I don't like my kids, I don't want to be around my kids all day. Yeah. Those are the ones, you yeah. send your kids to school. That's a good idea. Very good yeah. idea. That's a good place for them. But the ones that say I couldn't do it, I'm not a teacher, yeah, I'm like I've never used anything for my teaching degree. I've just parented my kids. And I want to say to them, does your child walk? does your child talk yes yes you are a natural learner those are the hardest things to learn they will learn to make a sandwich they will learn to put their their own shoes on they will learn to read when they need it they will learn to count their pocket money when they need it. like they will learn the skills they need but if they're walking and talking like guys just chill out like you've done the hard work <laughs> just carrying on talking to your children and feeding them and reading to them they are good
0: yeah and that's just listen so to them. true
2: yeah, yeah. but they're so worried about those. We have this weird, weird expectations. And the, I'm just constantly still unpacking these stories from school and hearing them from parents. And that, yeah, we unschool, but, you know, we do a bit of maths work. I said, what? And how's that going? Oh, it's terrible. It's a struggle every morning. We've got to do it at 9 o'clock. I'd see just half an hour of the kids. And, we, and I'm like, so you're attaching all the struggle around maths. So you're possibly turning your kids off maths and they're going to see themselves as failures or hate it. Or be fearful, or you know, or it's elevating mass to this kind of pedestal above everything else there is to learn in the world. You yeah. know, like there's all these things that, as parents, we don't realize because we're so indoctrinated with the school story. Yeah, and this is how you get an education. This is the only way. You've got to go to school. You've got to learn all this stuff at this stage in this age.
0: Yeah,
2: it's a lot of stuff to go off for sure.
0: For sure, for sure. I had a good connection with our older guy about math maybe a week or two ago when, like he actually it clicked with him because he likes to build things and it clicked with him how math is everything and then i explained to him about how it's kind of the universal language like someone who speaks chinese and you speak english you guys can't communicate at all but you both have the same math and he was like oh that's so cool numbers are so cool and then from there on then he started getting his notepad out and writing down equations and stuff and it's like that sparked an interest for him just like you were saying if you decided you wanted to be an accountant well then the equations are going to come you're, you're going to solve the equations a little easier because you want to solve them when you're being forced you put a math equation in your face do that and you mm-hmm. don't want to do it you're like I don't know what this is I don't care about this but when you want to it's yeah. a whole other world
2: exactly I yeah I think um, I really saw my role One of my main roles was really showing my children the world and it was the world through my own filter and I didn't show them all the world. Like they, I've never took them, um, or I did take, no, one of them's never been horse riding. One of them never did skiing. You know, there's some, these little gaps we joke about, but, um, I showed them a lot of the world through conversation, through reading, through actually traveling around and seeing the world and experiencing things, experiential stuff. Um, but I did it with no expectations of any outcome whatsoever. because you know you know this thing and i say this to people when i'm talking to a group of parents i'm like so tonight there's 40 of you here you will all take away a completely different thing like i'm not going to test you at the end and say have you learned these 10 things i was talking about because depending on your personality where you are in your life journey your past experience your dynamics in your family or how tired you are what you know what else is going on in your life all these things will contribute to your learning experience tonight and you will take away different things. And that's what happens with our kids. And I don't know if you got to that cool story in the book yet, Britt, about the art gallery. That's one of my favourite stories. And it was such a poignant moment for me because it was – can I tell it
1: quickly now? Yeah, please, please, absolutely. We went to this
2: big European exhibition. It was in New Zealand, but it was the Impressionist art exhibition. So big deal, like you paid to go in. There was big security everywhere. It was amazing, like all the the big, you know, renoirs and – can't even think of any more i obviously don't remember much but um yeah it was a really cool exhibition my three kids and me went with my mum and my mum walked around with hannah who was 10. ollie was about eight and i walked around with five-year-old charlie who i haven't spoken about yet but um walked around and it's really cool and um afterwards i noticed that ollie who was eight and ollie is a guy who is into the army stuff and survival stuff and outdoor stuff and martial arts and things like that and he was just like buzzing his eyes were all like wide and he was like mom do you know there's two security guards there and they do this little circuit around here and there's three there's four security cameras placed in these places so if you wanted to steal a painting and he was just off on this whole spiel (laughs) of the security of the situation and he was more buzzy than we were he had not looked at the paintings but the security (laughs) system like he wasn't just going oh this is so boring this painting he was like what interests me here? Whoa, the security. So his he was buzzing out and he's just on fire with this whole security situation. And we were just like, wow. So if I had gone in with my expectations as a teacher or as a homeschool parent going, we are here to look at the Impressionist paintings and these are the outcomes that I want to see. You need to tick off and find these paintings and tick them off on the worksheet. And, you know, who's the, who's the name of the artist that painted this variety? All the stuff, boring stuff that teachers do to really restrict the experience into this little oh, learning outcome exactly mm-hmm. what school does what would have happened to my little Ollie he would have failed big time he would have been put down and told off for doing what he did but actually that's his total jam he would love to work and you know has an interest in security stuff I guess um so you know like that was really eye-opening like you yeah, can't hold another person's takeaway so that completely discredits the whole education system yeah. which is where you plan activities with learning outcomes. Like as a teacher, you sit down and go, these are our learning outcomes. The children will be able to list the 10 impressionist painters that they saw." like literally these are the things teachers do. And then you get assessed on this tiny little narrow outcome. Yeah.
0: Yes. Memorization
2: it's like it's And it's the, with the best intentions. You really want to show your kids impressionist paintings. Like it's also really none of our business. I really believe what John Holt says it. It's a private matter. So I will take my kids to, you know, up a mountain or kayaking or to an art gallery or whatever, but with no expectations because it's none of my business what their takeaway is. Now we wandered around Paris and Charlie was listening to Harry Potter on earphones for five mm. days. He we was so sick of looking at old buildings. his Mum, I don't want to see any more old churches. He was in Harry Potter land completely, which is not unusual for my, my kids, but he spent five days and I was like, Charlie. Up the Eiffel Tower, look at this. He's like, oh uh-huh, hang on, this just happened. Harry Potter's blah 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 blah. So that was his experience of Paris. He was totally in Harry Potter land. So that's not I'm not going to look up look at the view from the Eiffel Tower. Like it's none of my business what's going on for him. He's you know, he end up resenting me and be interrupted. And who doesn't you don't want to be interrupted while you're reading Harry Potter, but you know, so <laughs> like that whole thing. I'm very, very um individual fo- individually focused and respectful of that. And stopped putting my narrow little expectations onto what I think someone else, another human being, should be learning or taking away from a situation. Like and my kids constantly showed me like the huge like um amounts of creativity and thinking outside the box and the ideas, you know, like I'd bring something and like, oh here's a big old box from a fridge. I thought maybe you kids could um and they would just be like, whatever, we're not doing that, mum. And they would do something like ten times cooler yes of so I just, very very early on I just stopped like having suggestions you know if someone gave us a fridge box I'd just like leave it in the lounge or in the driveway and they would just do whatever and I would always look at them and go I would never have thought of that in a hundred years that's amazing it's so creative like they've managed to incorporate all their interests they're all engaged or even friends coming after school to play it and drawn into the game like wow that's amazing like they're geniuses they're yeah. experts at them So they they taught me that early on. And that lovely place that you've slipped into of that trusting is so freeing, you know, just so so relaxing and so fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd say I'm dancing between the two. (laughs) I trust the process and then I go into doubt and then I trust the process. But I'm definitely getting better. I feel like something ever – well, probably even before I found your book, I was already being like, okay, I need to – Jump, plunge more into the natural learning because I have my own, you know, monkey mind, busy mind going. And I was like, no, this needs to shift. Something needs to shift because I want the kids, I want them to be able to think on their own. And I don't want it to be my opinion or my thoughts. I want them to come up with their own, yeah. their own ideas. So, and I think, I think it's just such like if we could all just go back and have go all be. I'll be natural learners. Like how beautiful that would be, and how beautiful, like the self awareness you would have, and the and you'd have so much self confidence because you wouldn't always be. Am I am I going to get graded on this? Am I getting judged on this? It it would just be natural. It's like and all these different great opinions would come up, and it would. I think it would be just amazing, just an amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I think the self awareness
2: is probably the biggest gift I've given my kids self-confidence but the self they know themselves so well yeah so well I mean people leaving school but people in their forties still that really have no idea who they are. Yeah. But my kids know themselves so so deeply. And I think that's such a gift for them. I feel like I've saved them a whole lot of time as adults in their 30s and forties and fifties. They're just not gonna have to do all that work.
0: They know themselves really
2: well. And that that's the biggest gift I think letting them be themselves, supporting them to be themselves. And telling them that being themselves rocks. It's awesome. Yeah. It's the best yeah. thing they can do is be themselves. So that's what you're born to do. You're yeah. not born to be somebody else. You're born to be you. And look at what you do. These are your gifts. I mean, these are my gifts. I can't, I can show them. You can listen to them. You can see them. You can join in if you like. But, and so that really encouraged me, I think, to, it's like a self sustaining circle. It encouraged me to be more of a life learner. And then that inspired them. And they love seeing the stuff I'm doing in my life. They're really encouraging and supportive of that. But having that happening alongside them growing up was inspiring. So they, I mean, we're, like, we're musicians, so they grew up with music constantly—live bands playing in the lounge, me teaching music, or you know, there was music on. And so they all are musical to some extent, and they've got that in their lives. But that's their own business. What they took away from that—that
1: right.
2: that was the, that was one of the filters. That was part of our family culture, and that's what and one of the things that they got. But other things they they'll be learning as adults they'll dip into and dip out of and that's um that's fine too I was going to tell you about Charlie my youngest I didn't yes. get to his story he um he started his own business at fourteen like he was a Lego playing dude like many kids are and when he sort of hit puberty and was losing that imagination stuff he started making stop motion pictures so oh, this cool. is at twelve and then by fourteen he kind of was leaning more into the videography still making amazing stop motions which are on YouTube still. Um, and then he, st- I don't know how he started, but living in a small town, I think, and um, knowing lots of people, he started making um, videos for actual local politicians for the Green Party, like the advertising campaigns, which was kind of funny, election campaigns, and a couple of friends that had businesses. And so he just started down this track. And by 16, he had a studio in town and was, you know, writing out invoices for large amounts. And at 18 last year, he did a van up as a studio, and he had these amazingly um interesting and well-paid contracts around the whole country he was traveling and doing this videography work and so he's all self-taught he was probably ready to go to film school at kind of 13 that in terms of his interest and wow. his knowledge but you can't do that at 13 yeah. and so there's a lot of waiting around like you know it's so structured like you can't do this to your 16 you can't do this to your 18 because you know you're far too young. well he so he kind of missed that and he was like oh well i just had to teach myself and so by sixteen, you know, conversations with him when things like, Oh, I'm gonna buy myself a ten thousand dollar camera. And I'm kinda of like, What? Oh <laughs> why don't you give that money to me and I'll just go off you know, like yeah, this, yeah. this was was normal life for him and he's and I, how do you know this stuff? Oh, because I just YouTube, just learn this and I've connected with these like young filmmakers and I'm off to help them do this filming this weekend, like he was a really good networker. So yeah, he's um has this great business, really, that he's just uh-huh. developed and since he was 14. And it's been lovely to see that organic way it's developed. And it's developed from, he says to me, years of Lego playing, really developed a love of storytelling. So one of his contracts he has is with a, a national magazine, which is tells the story of rural women, women living in the country here, lots of women on farms. And he goes off and lives with these families for a few days. And he gets sent there by this magazine to make a video the online content but he is the the camera person the lighting and sound he's also the journalist Wow. and it's really interesting he has this confidence as a 17 18 year old he's done this for a couple of years with them to just go off go into this family in the country and they look after him he plays with the kids and then he sets up all the gear and interviews the mama because it's always the woman and is telling she's telling his story And they put him in the back of the tractor and they drive him around the farm and you know gets all these cool shots and this drone and it's amazing he has these cool experiences with these so families amazing. Yeah, really, like yeah the funniest one was when he was 17 the drinking age in new zealand for alcohol was 18 and he was still 17 and he was down south on this vineyard interviewing this this woman and um when he was leaving they gave him some wine because he often gets gifts of their whatever their business is you know right and after just about he was just about to drive off and they said how old are you are you like 23 or something and he's like no i'm 17 but thanks for the wine <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's
1: he's, cool kid too,
2: but he's really focused on what he's doing and he's um yeah it's been really cool to see that journey that's really can, cool
1: can i ask you a question for in regards to like screen time and um like we try to limit our screen time but i know a lot of people who are in the un in the unschooling natural learning like don't, don't really put limits on, on that. What's your take on screen time and, and video games and and that yeah. sort of thing? That's how
2: like that question always comes up. It's such an evolving question and answer for me, and I feel like I'm still coming from a place of fear and of ignorance, but I can tell you the, um, what I say about it in my book, and I can tell you about my evolving journey with it. And having conversations with other people. Um, I definitely have a place of fear around kids spending long periods of time um, accessing stuff on the internet. I have a, I a lot of issues with it. And we're lucky that um, we didn't have the internet until they were becoming teenagers. So I feel very, very, very grateful that they had their childhood, their sort of pre-puberty childhood. I guess Charlie might have been, eight don't know without screens we didn't even have a television so they had a really wholesome childhood mm. i'm really glad that happened i'm super grateful for that and i would be quite stressed out trying to parent now to be honest um yeah. i have got plenty of horror stories from people i've got friends whose daughter was groomed on social media and she says please yeah. can you tell people that i think social media is evil i agree not i don't trust big tech at all i do trust my kids uh, the trouble is one of the you know interesting. Um, perspectives on this is there's a lot of cool stuff online i would you know, i'm talking to you now i do a lot of st- obviously we all use our phones for everything now um a lot of stories coming out now about kids who were gamers who played games you know perhaps unschoolers played games all their childhood and how as adults they have these amazing skills and they've learned a lot of cool skills whether their physical dexterity or um contacts around the world or you know, engineering skills or math skills or whatever there, like there are some cool stories coming out and i do believe you can learn a lot of stuff online absolutely um there's the, the other sort of angle on this in terms of unschooling and trusting your kids is if you're trusting your kids you should be trusting your kids right yeah and a lot of parents say if they really take away the limits and stop making screen time this extra special thing by limiting it then they don't have any problems and their kids just access and use on the internet just as any other skill as any other tool
1: yeah it's
2: not a big deal but I haven't heard that consistently I think that's personality that's my latest my latest belief is that is personality yes there are some kids that if you have no limits there's nothing special about it it's just part of everyday life they will come on and off it they'll flow on and off it but I don't think that works for everyone because I know parents that do that and their kids are will only go on a screen they can't have a conversation they have they can't tie their own shoes they can't cook anything they have no interest in anything else apart from their game and that concerns me personally um I but I don't have the experience of that so I don't want to judge that right so that's yeah. where I'm at, it at the moment. I think I, th- I totally believe that yeah and trusting kids and just not making it this big thing it's just another that- tool
1: that is a big key is not to like I always compare it to I grew up um, and went to a religious private school and a good friends of mine, their dad, he would come in if we were having like a, as teenagers come in and having a sleepover and he'd like toss the Bible at us. But, like You shouldn't be listening to this music. You need to read the Bible. And I think of that and we were all so appalled at his approach to to I'm like if you want us to read the bible or want us to get biblical maybe share don't throw it at us and and wow. say what we're listening to is horrible terrible music mm-hmm. and so i think about i i that's a story in my mind and i with my kids sometimes i i'm like that's enough no more screens and i get like frustrated because i i'm like they're losing their childhood from to the screens but i'm like okay it's my job as a parent to engage them into something else and not and not put that that uh bad like reminds that i'm not throwing a bible at them not that i would ever do that but i i don't want that feeling that i had when he would throw the bible at us and be like you should be reading this i don't want that with the screens and the tv because then they're like this is weird and it has that weird energy behind it so to to throw
0: in a point though like what if like you got somehow got a monitor there's so much smut and trash and filth available not yes. all that it's like if you just give them the remote and walk away and you come back 10 minutes later they could be watching porn for crying out
1: loud. yeah the innocence could be taken you know, away yeah from
0: and their children like we can't forget their children
2: yeah i guess the other thing that i you know always would encourage and this comes up with even the smallest thing is talk to your children yeah have a relationship run a democratic household and put your Put your fears on the table and say, guys, this is what I'm worried about. You're not getting any exercise. I'm worried about your eyes. I'm worried about your backs. I'm worried about the values coming through. Like, what are the values you're seeing? What are you doing online? And yeah. then saying, look, how about how do you feel about limiting your screen time? And what what do you think is reasonable? And when often, the most of the time, parents do this, they're quite blown away by the small amount of time that a child will choose to give themselves. If they yeah. say, just being honest i mean that's all part of just life learning and raising a family i think not keeping it as a separate thing where yeah we trust you guys you can do what you like except for screens and we're going to lay down the law and you're going to make it really like this special thing that you is really forbidden so i think if you put it over to them and it's another thing it's like saying you know like you know should you really eat so much of this whatever you know whatever like we're just Just put your fears on the table and then listen to their side and say, well, actually, mum, dad, like, this is what I'm doing and it's so exciting. And And then you perhaps also stepping into their world a bit too and hearing what they're doing because some kids do amazing things on the internet and it's been an incredible tool. So I think not just lumping screens all together, which is what a lot of us do, you know, learning to just really treat it as another part of life and just bring it to the table and have the conversations And be honest be yourselves and say look what's we're learning we grew up without the internet we're really scared of it you know whatever you know we're scared of this we're scared of that um what are you doing on there and and how does it make you feel how do you feel beforehand let's do it let's look can we just run an experiment for a week let's wake up and we go do whatever you do in the mornings and then you how are you feeling how's your body feeling how's your mind feeling you know how do you check in and then after two hours playing your game check in again how are you feeling How's your brain feeling? How's your heart feeling? How's your body feeling? Like what's going on for you? And so they can okay. see that and be a bit more mindful about that. Like just just highlighting things for them, you know, and then helping them become more self aware.
0: Yeah. And my
2: kids still say stuff like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've got to spend too much time on social media. I've got to, I've deleted Instagram now. I'm just hate it." Yeah. And it's like, and we like that as adults, right? We're yeah. just constantly, oh, like, it's just trying to manage it. Yeah. yeah. So I think don't be scared to have conversations with your kids about things. A lot of yeah. parents talk about things. To, all sorts of little things and I'm just like what do the kids think and they're like oh I don't know we haven't like talk to your kids they're amazing they're so creative they're creative problem solvers yeah they'll have a solution and I'll be like yeah. oh yeah mum you're yeah I do you feel a bit oh yeah I'm on there but I just feel like there's nothing else to do and I can't be bothered getting off or my friend says I should stay on for another hour but I kind of don't want to like you might be really surprised about what they yeah by not limiting it yeah, yeah. but great. you could like, okay. like everyone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well,
0: no. we, we talk to our kids like they're not like we don't have adult conversations with them, but we talk to them like they're adults, like we have normal conversations. We don't put on baby voices and we haven't like really. I ever, love
1: talking to them. Yeah, I they,
0: love it. Yeah, it's great. They have very introspective things to say sometimes
1: it, it blows my know. mind. And I just I it, nothing fills me up more like we we do a lot of driving because we live in the country and the kids take uh, martial arts in the city. So I, we've got to drive 45 minutes to get to class. And sometimes we just listen to music, but my favorite is when the music is down and we're just having a conversation. Yeah. And I, when we're all engaged in a conversation, it's, I'm like, this is my favorite thing yeah. to do. It's so fun. I can, I
0: can either hate this driver, I can love this. Yeah. Drive.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. I just love to hear their perspective on life and, yeah. and just seeing, seeing life through their eyes. And it's, it's, it's yeah. just so, so neat. And like they'll, they'll point something out that I'm like, in a movie telling me a story from a movie and like remember this part i'm like no we watched that movie together and i do not remember this at all and just the different things that they will pick up i think it's so so such a beautiful thing and if we can just like we said trust our kids and trust ourselves and and trust that everything will be work out
0: yeah
1: Yeah. exactly yeah i love
2: that yeah I, i have to say looking back Probably the most learning, if you like, or the best times. We're just just chatting. We used to go for lots of walks, just talking and really hearing them, like listening to them, and like you say, seeing them and going, "Wow, that was your takeaway from that." Or you, you're bringing that to the table. And I think that's the joy of having more than one child is it brings us richness into the family. Like, yeah. and as they get older, it just gets better and better and better. The stuff because they're out in the world more, they're bringing all the stuff back into the table. It's yeah. just magic, you know magical and they, they have so much to offer i think that thing what you said at the beginning having adult conversations i think i really believe children are people too yeah. but they're not adult they're not adults so that's they don't need to know a lot of adult stuff obviously yes. obviously but you know when they ask about things i would always answer questions but yeah. definitely treat them as people like as, as respected members of the household yeah. and of yeah. the family yeah
0: definitely and it always really shocks you, me. You, Sorry. When- Afterwards, like when when our kids will have conversation with another adult, they're always like, "Wow, like that was a adult conversation I just had with that child." It's <laughs> shocking to to people. <laughs> I know,
2: people I think in society, children in our cultures have a really bad. They have a really bad rap. They, think yeah. they get a rough. One. People are rude about children. They're they're happy to publicly shame them in a the yes. supermarket. Like, unbelievable and they really think children are stupid and they're empty vessels they have nothing to offer they you know there's really still that victorian idea of they should be seen and not heard yeah it's just ridiculous. It's, very
1: and ridiculous it's so
2: good to go out there as unschoolers into the world and exactly what you said have the conversations and the people are blown away and they're like even though you're homeschoolers is your eight-year-old just having this conversation with me about stuff i didn't know yeah and it's like yeah like we don't keep them locked in a cupboard all day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: that's <right. laughs> Yeah, I think the conversations, I have to say one of my biggest things I've learned from my kids, which is I actually found quite shocking. I don't know why, but like we're really, really big influences on our kids. Mm. Much bigger than I had realized, which is maybe ignorant, naive, I don't know. But um, like our values, the values we live by. And they're going to really see those values reflected in the conversations you have, the words you use, the way you react to stuff, the way your house is set up the things you give your time and energy to. What do you do? What's your family culture? What do you spend your time, money on? What do you spend your time doing? And those things really, really, really seriously influence your kids. And I I always want to say to people, you know, when you have a baby and every year, do like a values check-in. What are your values? What are your values? And is that reflected in our lifestyle? And I'll give you an example. I have some people I know with kids and if I was just to observe them for a week and listen to their um, conversation and the way they spoke to their kids, I would come back to them and say, I think the three biggest values in your family are cleanliness, tidiness, and obedience. And I think if I said that to them, they would be really shocked. And I think if we did a values exercise with them, they would come up with completely different things.
1: Yeah. But
2: those are the things that their kids hear all the time about being clean, being tidy, and being obedient. And um that's if that's those are your values you want to install in your kids their one chance to you know raising kids and this is their childhood awesome you're doing a really good job with that yeah. but there might be some other values you want to check in with and and does it really matter if their clothes are muddy does it matter if they sleep in the same random dress-ups for a month or a year <laughs> it doesn't matter because one day they will get out of it like you know just choose your <laughs> choose what you put your energy you know when they're playing like not your first comment being oh look wipe your feet or up those will be off on the wash or you know like what about saying did you have fun yeah how was that what do you need or do you want to hug you know like sounds like you had a great time so you know like just noticing those little things but i I really want to say to parents you're a huge influence so just be careful (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah.
1: i know be real
2: be real, be real and honest and open don't do, like i have to say, the same family I'm thinking of, they kind of do this fake positivity, everything's fine and we're going to talk in these really loud like happy parent voices all the time and yeah, and like jolly everyone along so they all do the things we want and I'm like, that is so exhausting you cannot sustain yeah. it. they need to see you sobbing on the floor they need to see you like going I just need someone to clean the kitchen table off, I want to lay the table like, they need to see you cool <laughs> they need to see you just being like so tired that we're just going to have peanut butter toast for dinner.
0: Like, yeah. you know,
2: and yeah. so, I you know, need, just all that realness, yeah. that they need real. I do think
0: about that sometimes when I'm, when I'm ready to have an angry reaction about something and then sometimes I'll be, I'll, I'll be like, yep, this requires an angry reaction. And then there it goes. But a lot of times I'll back off because I, I check in with myself, mm-hmm. but sometimes they do need to see that. Like you said, like, Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, as long do. as you own it I think as long as you own it and there's a lot of work to be done around yeah, respectful absolutely. communication not that emotional manipulation of like you make mum or dad you know you're making mummy feel angry or you're yeah. making daddy feel sad like whoa don't put that on your kids but just saying wow this is interesting like you know I'm feeling really angry by the stuff that's happening like that's you know that's not your kid's problem that's your problem yeah. that's yeah. the adult's problem so that's good to own your stuff and whether or not it's appropriate to share that with your kids, you know, but mm-hmm. just to check in at least with yourself and take a step back and and be like, why am I why am I so angry that they've tipped all that out on the floor again when I just put it away? Like, does it really matter? Like, what are they doing? Are they doing it just to annoy me? Are they you know, like, no, they're, not. they're just <laughs> yeah. doing it because they really want to sort the Lego into different color or they, whatever it is they're doing, like actually some amazing creative game they're playing. So, so I think so. that thing of being connected to what they're doing and seeing seeing what they're doing in their play don't butt in and try and control it but be aware of the play so when you see the mess you can go it's actually not well it is a mess but on another level it's actually this amazing city they've built or this whole world they've created and of course you can't take all the sellotape off the walls tonight because you know the game will go on tomorrow and it's going to wreck the game so you have to crawl under the on the floor to get to bed because of all the sellotape zigzagging across the room but it's like if you know that game then you're like Ah, I get it yeah that's a cool game you're going to play it in the morning okay cool yeah. yeah.
0: A lot of that stuff a lot of those knee jerk reactions, we have are like buried childhood trauma from the. shitty way our parents raised us and it's like we we do the same have the same reaction towards you know coming in with mud on your shoes or whatever so I catch myself saying the exact same thing my dad said to me and I was like well how did that make you feel he didn't say the right thing, but yet here you go saying that same thing.
1: Yeah, it's having the awareness, yeah, the awareness to to maybe even if you do say it, say it and then be like, okay, how can I yeah. address this differently next time?
0: Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. I I try to have a little bit of grace with myself because I'm trying to change
0: mm-hmm.
1: break a cycle. Break
0: the cycle, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah we're we're all about breaking the
1: cycle.
2: Mm-hmm. It's awesome to hear and that, that owning that that it's our cycles. We're the ones that have to break it. The kids don't care about their mud on their trousers. So you know just depend, you know you've got to it's all individual situations but you know just just take the slack yeah take the slack you, you know, your kids are, they'll learn to do their own washing one day they'll suddenly yeah. turn into teenagers that want three showers a day and change their clothes six times a day like you know that will happen so just wash them. don't try and teach a four-year-old about staying keeping their clothes clean you know does it you know just be age appropriate and um and just check in whether it's how important it is is this a value I really need to impose on my four-year-old is it restricting their play is it you know is it that is it that important really
1: yeah one
0: day your house will be clean and you'll be lonely (laughs) yeah
1: Jamie says that to me all the time I (laughs) I do get that's one thing that I'm like I just need it to be clean for a little bit like and then I can then we can live again but I have moments where I need to get the house clean Because I can't think if it's if it's in utter chaos. Um, but he's like one day when the house is clean, we'll miss this we'll miss these moments. And yeah. I, well,
2: like, yeah. I, I found just having one surface. Like I found if I could just I just got down to the table, like where we ate, the dining room table, and I found I could just have that wiped down after dinner. Yeah. I got to stage that was enough. I was okay with that. I didn't see the lounge floor for ten years. And then when charlie hit puberty and the lounge floor was rediscovered under the lego and the blocks then i put the cushions on the sofa and then i actually got quite a buzz out of it i still get a buzz out of it i've seen the cushions staying on the sofa all day so (laughs) it's it's tidier but i'm still like i would just walk through as a teen when they were teenagers just go oh look i could just walk through the lounge and there's the cushions on the sofa and the kids would drop their bag or something on the lounge and i'd be like get that away out of the lounge. The lounge is tidy. They're like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, you don't even see the lounge for 10 years. And I'm like, I know, but now I can see it. It's yeah. back. And like, I get so much peace out of seeing it, you know. So I totally understand that. But I think just find something that you can focus on. For me, I would just like ignore the Lego and just focus on the table. The yeah. table is clean. I can see the table. I'm going to sit at the table. <laughs> <I'm gonna look. laughs> I love the table. Don't look at the lounge. Just, yeah. Or making your bed like some people. It's different when you sleep with your kids, but you know, a friend that used to make a bed every morning, and that was her like sort of meditative practice. Of the house is just like you know stuffed; it's just so chaotic and messy, it's ridiculous. But she's made a bed, and so she can go and look at the calm, tidy, neat bed.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you got to pick and choose for sure. And yeah, really, it
2: goes fast. It goes fast, and I want to say to people, just yeah, it goes fast. Just enjoy it. it. Enjoy it. it goes so
1: far oh i i think for people who are new to this concept of natural learning or unschooling i think what what we've talked about though is really quite uh reassuring like you've got three kids who are very successful in their adult adult life now and it also reminds me um the first book i listened to was. um dana martin's radical unschooling and then we listened to a podcast recently with her and she her 17 year old daughter who never they never did math never did math wanted to become a veterinarian and so she's like okay let's see what you need to become a veterinarian and they did what was it, like all all yeah, their math you get
0: grade 12 math in like in like a month or something yeah
1: i did all of it
0: like grade one through 12 Like granted grade one through seven is going to be simple but yeah all high school math is difficult stuff
1: well for somebody who
0: never has never done math
1: I'd say even grade four math is difficult if it's for someone who's never done that yeah for
0: actions for sure yeah someone who's never done that
1: but she wanted to do it so they did it they got it done and she I don't know if if she's if she's in school to become a veterinarian now but like my whole point is it's like when they have an interest in something Mm -hmm. they have that dedication to put in the time to learn it and they're ready to learn it they're not just like when not every grade, second grader is ready to do multiplication or whatever grade it is. I don't even know what grade you do everything at, but they're not ready to learn it at the same time, but they're being forced to learn it. I I didn't, I sure as heck didn't learn things when the rest of the class did, because I was always flipping numbers. I could never see, and uh, num- numbers never stayed the same for me. I was always flipping them. And in my head, it was a different number than everybody else could see. So I didn't understand why they were getting a different answer than me and it but now learning even just me learning about myself and learning how I learn I'm able to do things that I can compensate because I it, it's it's just interesting I wish that I wish that every parent could just realize that their kids are going to learn things when they want to learn and they're going to learn what they need to learn when they need to learn it That's yes, exactly really yeah
2: they will yeah. and I you know, there's still so many stories tied up in those our own school stories tied up in learning. And parents, they kind of get it, but they're not quite ready to really cut loose those stories from school. Like just saying, you know, those that high school maths is really hard. Like, is it? Is it hard? If you're 17 and you want to be a veterinarian, no? Yeah, exactly. So, But you haven't done maths for 13 years in, at school. Like, how can you do it? And my kids, Hannah, did um, correspondence school stuff. And when she signed up for it, she was appalled at how easy it was. She was disgusted. She said, oh, I could have done this when I was eight. And she did the math, she did the, whatever it took, I know, to get her university entrance qualification. She did it in six weeks.
1: Wow. It's just so
2: boring. And I'd just going to have to jump through some hoops. And she said, Mom, I want to know what, what my peers know. I'm like, okay, but you know. And she came to me and she said, I hate to say this, but you were right. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not rocket science. Like, they've kept saying that all the way through. They're like, but what about, and my friends in my drama class are talking about Square Root or whatever, you know. And they're like, I'm like, it's not rocket science. Like, yeah. 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 Why do you need to know that stuff? And I do have a bit of a rant in my book about maths. I think we have a maths biased society. And I came to a big realization in my 40s one day when I woke up and realized I had never used the maths I learned at high school. And I really believe that that is specialized maths. I think you're going to learn everyday maths just from living.
1: And yeah. I'm an everyday
2: sort of person. Like the stuff that you probably learn at school in the first few years, absolutely. And my kids learn that so quickly and easily. And it didn't look like any learning you ever have seen before and i think we still measure that they're not writing it in a book they're not doing it every year they just yeah. did it a couple of hours in their pajamas playing with something like before breakfast that can't be math like how? that's not learning but it is it's all valid learning and the thing i realized is i am got a degree i'm a teacher i've raised kids i've you know now I've written a book i was growing vegetables i play music i do all these things and i never ever ever used that math at high school but i still up until my 40s had this story it was so strong in me that you need this math to operate in the adult world, and I still that's what they told me again and again at school. And I still have this story I'm so dumb at math, I'm so bad at failure. And I meet at least half the adults I meet when I'm talking to people have the same story about math. So I think it's really a math bias, it's a bit like the screen time thing, it's like this, it's been put on this pedestal. Is this and people that say, Oh, yes, we, we unschool, but we do a bit of maths. Right. But maths is everyday life. Yes. How much pocket money are you gonna make in a year? Like, you know, and Charlie was a mathematician. He was doing maths at five. He set himself up to this amazing year of maths by turning the whole house, mostly the lounge, into a shop. Whole big story is amazing what he did. But we were at the time we like, Oh, he's the entrepreneur of the family. And here he is, he's an entrepreneur. He's a young guy with his own business, That's all self trained. And so but he did his maths at five that's when he did his his math he didn't do do any other math you could see not that i saw you know and he did it needed it he did it because it was relevant to him then he taught himself to read by reading asterisks um graphic novel comics you know so all he ever read was was comics
1: that's like one of our kids i was and this was when i was still in my head and had this story about like learning and reading and all this stuff and then one day he we were at the library and he picked up a Calvin and Hobbes and he was like I want to get this I was like okay he read the whole thing and like and front to start within a couple of days he and before getting him to read was a struggle it was yeah, so hard yeah. to get him to read and then he said to me he goes mom when I'm reading I don't see words I hear them I hear them talking to each other and I was like that's he's amazing co- he's comprehending
0: yeah. it and he could tell you what happened in the story and it's like see now you <laughs> want to read
1: so we we get graphic novels and he reads them and he loves them and my brother got him the entire set of Calvin and Hobbes last summer for his birthday and he's working his way through the whole set and it's it's beautiful and then our little guy now too who who he he picks he's I'd say if he was in school he'd be the one that it would academics would just come really easy to him um but he he still would put up a fight to read I was like okay you don't have to read but then when he picks something he wants to read he motors through it motors through it I was like holy yeah. cow so of course
2: okay, different, the intrinsic motivation is what you need as a person to learn and I I have been doing relief teaching at schools in the last two years like you no know, day-to-day relief teaching when teachers are sick and you come in and they give you this like Horrific comprehensive reading program to do. And you, every 10 minutes, you call up a different group of kids, you're giving them a boring little textbook to read, and they're sitting there like, and then pointing to the words or not, or looking out the window and just not engaged <laughs> yeah. in any way. It's zero motivation. And why should there be? Yeah. and it's just as a reader i'm just like this is killing it like it's just removing all the joy yeah, yeah totally. why do they have to read this book, maybe they want to look at a book about boats or about motorbikes or something they're interested in like why are you making this amazing, boring
0: little book in a group it's horrible Yeah. Well, we can all relate to that as humans as people like we you don't want to learn about something you don't care about and if you're going to pick a book to read you're going to pick a book you want you're not going to wait for someone to hand you a book and go read this like, i don't care about this yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. We still have that story that, oh, yeah, you've got to learn to read and write and do math. Those are the three R's, and you've, you've got to learn that, right? And you've got to got to get an education. People are like, oh, yeah, well, that's great. You're homeschooling, but they're going to go to college, right? They're going to go to high school. Yeah, yeah, you've got right. to get an education. And it's
0: like, well, What are they going to take? You know, it doesn't matter. The They've got to go. They've got to take out a student loan and go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's to me, is a very, very narrow, tiny, restricting system. So if you want to go and get that bit of paper that says yeah. you can – Answer these questions on this particular day about in this particular way awesome you go and do that cool that yeah, reckon yeah. someone will recognize that but it's such a tiny part of life whereas a life learner I just think you've got the whole world yes every child all the people you can meet all the books you can read like and you're so motivated the deep learning that happens it just yeah learning just looks completely different as a life learner and it's individualized it's different for every day it's different for every child it's different for any you know environment you're in or just yes yeah, it's, it's completely different i think as adults once we can get rid of that idea yeah that,
1: I think,
0: you know, people are coming around well it seems like that that's a lot more like the whole private self-employed you know sector of people are now it's a lot more popular now and that degree that piece of paper doesn't matter much as it used to because people want are starting to come out of the woodwork and want to do their own create their own thing right
1: yeah and yeah. I like you have three very independent children now. And I I just, I find that so inspiring. I'm just so, ex- I'm so thankful for people like you mm-hmm. who have, have lived that life and are inspiring other people to do that because there's so many of us that were just afraid and knew something was wrong and didn't want to do the school system, but we're scared to homeschool and homeschool is overwhelming. And then all of a sudden we kind of fell onto this unschooling or natural learning. And it's like, well, what's this? Yeah. What's this? And so I just want to thank you so much, Jane, too, for like for writing your book because I I think it's it's so easy to read too. It's like you're reading it and you're like, oh, this just makes sense. This just makes sense. And it's a beautiful story about how you raised your children. And I I love it. I think I think I'm so thankful for you and other women who are putting
2: it all out there for the rest of us to learn from thank you Britt, and and thank you to you and all the parents with the young kids who are like taking that plunge and being brave and breaking away from the norm and just doing it and doing all that inner work like de-schooling yourself so you can um raise your kids as life learners and unschool them like it's all power to you and it's i love seeing it so i find it really inspiring and me with hope for the world yeah but us too us too us too,
1: too, us too. Uh, and i think you're living the life now too now your kids you you get a whole nother your kids are growing up and doing their thing and you're still doing amazing things too and traveling and going yeah. on and my cushions, my
2: cushions stay on my sofa It's yeah. kind of yeah. like a symbolic thing for me i'm like my cushions are on my sofa <laughs> <look at them. laughs> yeah it's amazing life actually i i yeah i mean it's an interesting journey yeah. the whole um i don't like the word empty nesting but you know that posts sort of everyday parenting and i'm very very lucky at the moment and blessed that my kids are super independent and i when i moan about that to friends oh my kids are so independent they don't need me and they're like well oh, that's when you raise them like what do you expect
1: yeah, but,
2: um, yeah. i'm kind of yeah. like there's a lot of grief that's an interesting journey and it's getting easier definitely but the first two years um i had a lot of grief you know i did a lot of i did this dramatic thing where i sold my house and quit my job. To went off to walk the length of New Zealand. It was oh, like wow. you
0: know,
2: because it's I'm a I'm a walk, I'm a tramper. We call it tramping here. I'm a hiker. I love long distance hiking. I a love trampy
0: did you say tramper. Oh, a tramper. Tramper. oh.
2: yeah it's a tramp in New Zealand we go tramping when you go off with your, your backpack and your tent for a week and oh, right, into I'm the okay. mountains. So that's my jam totally I love that and that's what fills cool. me up. But I would do that and um be like sobbing with grief
1: oh. at the same
2: time because I'm just like what is the point with me without my kids? Like I don't know how to exist without my kids, and I, you know, like what's the point? And oh. so there's a lot of that grief, and that yeah, there's still times when I'm like, what? But but I do have a very rich life now, and it's so cool to have the energy and the wisdom and the confidence to be really grounded in who I am, and to be able to put give back yeah. to the community, and I'm involved in some really cool community, um, sort of um. Areas in New Zealand, um, working with young people still, but it's yeah, it's great space to step into that having that confidence without all the everyday mental emotional labour. Yeah, I was really tired, really really tired with the the mental emotional labour I think. And um when Hannah, my oldest, left home, she mentioned that word, and I instantly just went, "Oh yes, that's what I've had." And it's taken me two years, I have to say. And you know, I want to look at people with their babies and say, every time you have a baby. Remember that's 18 years of full on parenting, maybe more. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's tiring. You know, it's exhausting. You're still doing it 18 years later. So it's, you give, 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 give. And I wouldn't do it any differently at all. I, you know, I'm really happy to have done, I feel like I've done a good, a good job. I've done a, I've done my job with integrity and with love and with happiness and I've done a good job and I've raised these three people and, um, not my work is done, but my work is like I'm allowed a break. I've had a break, you know, I've had some time off and um, been more mindful about how I put my energy out into the world now and what I give and how I give. And I go back to my tidy cushions and look at them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. it. So relaxing. So relaxing. Uh,
0: well, maybe you'll have some little grandbabies messing those cushions up soon.
2: <laughs> oh, no way. No, not allowed. <laughs> yeah, no, <that's- laughs> Yeah, I love I'm lucky having grandkids now already too so you yeah, know yeah. it's a pretty rich life and I think um I do feel a sense of oh well just gratitude really that I was able to do it
1: that's really gratitude cool.
2: and gratitude for my kids but I was lucky I was very really lucky that I had kids who were um who they were, they were they're lovely people
0: that's Thanks. awesome that is really cool to hear it's a lot better than looking back on your life with regret that's for sure
2: no nah, no regrets no time for regrets I mean easy to have regrets I can I can start down the regret, but you can't do that when you've got kids. You can't do that because the minute no. you try and regret something, I think, what if they're just going to change who your kids are? And you can't do that. So it's just my story, and just that thing of learning that this is the story that you have. And if you want to change your story, you can change it today. Don't have regrets. Yes. And uh, I love being that. an accountant, like, want to be an accountant? Go and be an accountant. Like, don't have regrets. Never yeah. too old to do. something so yeah it's a really cool time of life actually it's amazing and i feel i love traveling around and talking to groups of parents it's awesome oh,
1: that's awesome um okay so people are going to want to know where they can find you where where do you want them to find you and find you um, i'll put the links in the show notes as well but if you want to say okay. it
2: cool well my book is on amazon there's a kindle and a print to order which um this just is what it is so if you're anywhere in the world you can get it on there if you're in new zealand i'd like to send you a copy because that's more personable, and I can write in it, uh, or come and see me talking. Um, the best place is really Instagram. I don't have a—I hadn't really envisioned this journey for myself, and I still don't really know where it's going as an unschooling advocate. Um, that may go on and on. I've also done some more training. I've got other other um balls in the air, so I'm not sure. I feel like I'll always be an advocate for this life. But on Instagram, at Jane Evans Author with underscores, um, I'm on there too. So. I'll put those
1: those in the in the show notes so people can find you and follow your journey and order your book but I really recommend getting your book because I think it's it's beautiful and it's just it's I I was started highlighting things and I was like okay I'm gonna put my highlighter down and just enjoy it but I, I I think it's it's just a book that if anybody is interested in this type of schooling um this is perfect because it you have it you lay it all out and so a beautiful way so no oh, thank you yeah
2: i think i'd like to already update it but i really like um liz gilbert have you read her books
1: I've I mean, read her books.
2: yeah but um big magic her big magic books amazing and um, i was watching this interview with her and she was saying you know if you've written a book or if you've done something and it's out in the world that's amazing there's a lot of, it doesn't have to be perfect there's a lot of perfect unpublished books yeah, and I'm like oh yeah so like I kind of like oh, I want to really write another whole two or three chapters about deschooling because that's the biggest thing that's come up in these this year of since it's been published of that's what parents really need to dig deeper into I wanted to write about more about deschooling. and I want to change this but you know what I've written it it's out there it's not perfect but it's it's a something it's a thing yes. so thank you that I'm learning that own whole other journey for me too so yeah yeah
1: that's amazing. I love it so okay, well, we won't keep you for too much longer because I know you're probably off to another adventure, but thank you for your time and for coming on the podcast with us. I love talking to you. Yeah, this is great conversation. This is this was amazing. And um, you like I said, you've inspired me to change a few things and how I parent. So thank you for what you're doing. And uh I I hope everybody that's listening to this gets gets your hands on this book. And uh I think that's the future for the kids because the public school system is just it seems like it's falling apart all over the world yeah, right now
0: pretty
1: fast <laughs> there's a, a mess. there's been a big mass exodus
2: here i think yes, all over it's the massive. world. Oh, it's uh, interesting yeah what develops and i feel like um sorry tangent, we're trying to wrap up but um i feel like what's happening is yeah the school system's crumbling but actually what people are doing is just stepping out of it and we're just yes. creating this whole world that we want to live in Yes, And that's the way, like, yes, I've always wanted to have my own school, but I actually don't want to be in that system at all. I want to just step right out of it. And um, what's happening in New Zealand is a lot of homeschool groups are employing someone like me for one or two or three days a week to run, like, a fun day with their kids. They still get that drop-off time. Um, Someone like me gets employed, and you get to have a group of kids to do cool things with where you can play big games or, you know, all the cool stuff you can do with a bunch of people. And oh, so there's that. yeah, it's quite interesting. I, and it's got such a good energy about it. Like, this is it. This is I don't need to start a new school. You're just stepping out of the system and creating the world the world we want to live in. I really mm-hmm. love it. So yeah. so thank you. I've loved talking to you too. And I wish you all the best on your parenting journey. I love hearing what you're doing. And um, good on you for doing a podcast too. And thank you for inviting me along. Thank chatting you.
1: to you. So all day i yeah. want <laughs> okay, well i'll i'll send you the links when they're all up and everything and uh i really appreciate really just appreciate you so thanks jane oh, okay. thank thanks, you for thanks, it's lovely to meet you lovely and, to um, yeah. you. all the best take care thank, thank you you too take, take care.
2: care see yeah. you thank you Bye. Bye-bye. bye bye